Hi, it's really great to be able to talk to you this morning as we continue our series on pain. We've been talking about questions that pain asks us. We've been addressing different ones, and we're going to be talking about that today. In fact, the question goes like this. What role does God play in your life, really? What role does he play in your life? I'm going to encourage you, if you would, to get a Bible. You can follow along. There will be a number of different passages we'll be looking at. And I'll try to put them here on the screen for you. And there's also a Bible app event available. So you'll be able to follow along that way. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, that can be really helpful to you. And I would really encourage you to do that or to at least pay attention to those verses on the screen as they come up. Because uh, this is an important question that pain will ask you. Alistair Begg, who is a well-known and respected preacher, tells a story of when he was pastoring a church in Scotland. There was a man who attended that church. He was a nuclear physicist. And the reason he attended that church wasn't because he wanted to be there. He kind of did it just to keep his wife from complaining that he wasn't going to church. He just kind of paid attention halfway. And you, you might say he, he gave a, a little bit of polite indifference to what was being said there. Of course, Alistair Begg worked to help him connect with God and uh, gave, gave him a book by John Stott called Basic Christianity, tried many ways to help this physicist, this nuclear physicist, come to terms with the reality that there was a God. But nothing seemed to work. In fact, the physicist just kind of liked living in his bubble, his intellectual bubble, until something happened. And that something was pain. The physicist and his wife had a baby, and at 11 months, the baby passed away. And suddenly a megaphone went off. Pain was screaming into this man's life. And he realized that the perspective he had, that his outlook on life, his worldview, was simply inadequate to address the pain that he was feeling. What role does God play in your life is what pain was asking him. And he didn't have a good answer for that. Begg says that God used that situation to turn this man's heart toward, toward God and to help him, help him come to know God. In fact, Begg says this, he says, by this terrible and necessary tribulation, God conquered his rebel will and brought him to a place of peace. And often God will use pain to awaken us. Now you notice I didn't say that God made that pain happen, but I'm saying that he can use pain in a way that is beneficial to you and me. To kind of get us to ask the question, what role does God play in our life, really? You know, a, a number of people would give you different answers for that kind of a question. What role does God play in your life? Some people would say, well, I really think that God is nothing more than an invention. He's something that has been made up. And they would uh, think of people like Karl Marx when they would say that. You know, that Marx is um, famed for uh, the quote that religion is the opiate of the masses. Here's what he was talking about when he said that. Marx saw a lot of pain in the human condition. And he said that out of that pain... Human beings create some kind of meaning, and they call it religion. And it's kind of like the, the cry of the oppressed heart, or of the man and woman as they're in pain, religion. And so he decided that religion, namely he decided that God, was not an adequate answer to pain. And he turned away from God completely and sought his answer elsewhere. I wonder how much different this world would be if Karl Marx had come up with a different answer to the question that pain was asking. The question that pain asks everyone. What role does God play in your life, really? There's another kind of answer that people would give. Some people say, God, he's a man upstairs. You know, he's kind of a distant figure in my life. God's somebody that Grandma liked. And Grandma grandma and God, they were like this. They were really tight. And grandma was a woman of prayer. She went to church all the time. She sang in a choir, played the piano, and she knew her Bible. And yeah, 
That's who God is. God is someone who belonged to Grandma. He's not really relevant to me. I mean, you know, I'll stand up and salute if God were to walk by. He's a good old boy. I'm okay with him. But honestly, he's not that important to me. And that would be the answer that a lot of people would give if you asked them, what role does God play in your life, really? Now, people who are more interested in God, they might say something like this, that God is handy to be around. And they might quote scripture like the one that's on the screen right now. The scripture that says God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. That's a great passage of scripture. It's true. God is great help in trouble. One of the most beloved of all passages of scripture, the 23rd Psalm, reminds us of that throughout the psalm. From the very beginning when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's pretty handy to have around. Even Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is a memorized passage of Scripture by many believers, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. It says, In all your ways acknowledge Him. Skipped a slide there, didn't I? In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. He'll make your path straight. Hey, who doesn't want God directing your paths, showing you which way to go, helping you be wise and not foolish? Yeah, God's pretty handy to have around. What role does God play in your life? I like having Him around. Now, let me say this to you. Let me say that if that is the primary role that God plays in your life, if that is your go-to answer for that particular question, then number one, you're cheating yourself. But number two, you're almost, you maybe even are, blaspheming God. What? I know, you wouldn't want to blaspheme God. But I, I want to help you understand this. If you see God as, as little more then someone to fulfill your needs when you're in a bind, to provide for you when you have need, that's a little bit like seeing Niagara Falls as its primary function in all of the cosmos is to, buy, to, is to provide 25% of the electricity to Western New York and, and Ontario. That's true. Niagara Falls does that. But have you seen that waterfall? It is so much more. It has such a higher purpose than just spinning turbines to make electricity. In fact, it has been fulfilling its purpose from before the time that electrical power was demanded and long after humankind is done with those turbines. Niagara Falls will still be fulfilling a higher purpose than just satisfying the needs of humankind. Likewise with God. He's not just someone who's handy to have around. And yet I find myself, and I hear others like me, maybe you yourself, when you're talking about God and why people should turn to him, I find myself saying things like, you should turn to Jesus because he'll help you with your marriage. Or you should trust God because he'll get you out of this financial bind. Or just why don't you just lean on God because in this time of distress that we're all experiencing, God himself can give you peace. And you see what I've done there? I've said that God is kind of handy to have around. Paris Reedhead, Paris Reedhead uh, says it well, and I'm going to read from what he says in his sermon, Ten Shekels and a Shirt. And by the way, if you're using the YouVersion Bible app, I've placed a link there so you can go and read that sermon or listen to it. I encourage you to do so. God has used that sermon to change my life. Listen to what he says about seeing God in this utilitarian fashion where we see that he has value because of what he can do for us. He says this, we say, accept Jesus so you can go to heaven. You don't want to go to that old, filthy, nasty, burning hell when there's a beautiful heaven up there. Now come to Jesus so you can go to heaven. 
And then he says this, and the appeal could be as much to selfishness as a couple men sitting in a coffee shop deciding they're going to rob a bank to get something for nothing. Reedhead says, there is a way you can give an invitation to sinners that sounds for all the world like a plot to take up a filling station's proprietor's Saturday earnings without working for them. Is that what God is for? Just to give you what you want. Is salvation through Jesus Christ, death on the cross, is it just fireproof? Is God himself just someone to give you fire insurance? Is he just a means to an end? Is he handy to have around? Sam Chan, in his book Leadership Pain, talks about this. And he says that when we feel that God doesn't come through for us and we feel disappointment, that ought to be a flag that we may have a utilitarian view of God. When we feel betrayed and let down by God, and we feel like, wait a minute, God, haven't I done enough? I mean, that I deserve just a little bit of a break here? Why aren't you giving me this, God? We probably are functioning from this third, this third answer to our question, what role does God play in your life, really? Well, he's handy to have around. Now, I want to suggest to you a different answer. And there are a variety of good answers to this question. But the answer that I want to suggest to you is that God is the beautiful one. What role does God play in my life, really? <laughs> He's the beautiful one in my life. We sing about that in our music. Beautiful one, I love you. Beautiful one, I adore you. Beautiful one, my heart, my heart will sing. It must sing. My soul must sing. We say words like that in many songs. Fairest Lord Jesus and other songs that speak about his beautiful, beautiful nature. And he is beautiful. Now, we're going to take some theological abstracts, some concepts, and we're going to kind of pull them off the books on a shelf, put them into our head, let them trickle into our heart this morning so you can see God as a beautiful one. I'm going to talk to you about what the, the old-timers might refer to as the perfections of God. And I have half a dozen of them for you this morning. I'm going to define each one of them. I'm going to explain to you why each one of them reminds us that God is a beautiful one. And the first of those perfections is his omnipresence. Omnipresence means he is everywhere. You take the first part of it, omni, and that has a dual meaning. <laughs> first, it's an automobile that the Chrysler Corporation unloaded on us a few decades back that was not a good idea. But technically speaking, omni means all. All present. Completely present. Present everywhere. And you see that many places in Scripture. Psalm 139 is my favorite place to see it. When it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. You're everywhere, God. Now, for a lot of us, that idea is just kind of a theological essential, but a personal triviality. If someone were to ask you, if they were to say to you, okay, God is omnipresent, what does that mean to you? You'd be like, um... I'm not, I'm not saying for sure you would be this way, but I would be this way if it caught me off guard. Um, God uh, is omnipresent. Um, it must be important because my Sunday school teacher has talked about it. My small group leader talked about it. And I read it in a book, a theology book, and they talk about it in Bible college and in seminary. So, yeah, it's important, but I don't know why it's important personally. That's probably the answer a lot of people would have for that. But when pain comes to your door, the question of God's omnipresence becomes more than just some kind of intellectual thought. It becomes an experiential desire, even a need. You see the relevance of God's omnipresence in Psalm 34, where it says in verse 18, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. 
You understand that? When you're dealing with pain and you feel like you can't take it anymore, God is there with you. He is like right beside you. Or read it again. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And when you see the perfection of his omnipresence, then, then you have the answer to pain's question. What role does God play in your life? He's a beautiful one. Because his omnipresence, that perfection, is beautiful. There's a second perfection of God we talk about, and that's his omniscience. You can see it there. It's the word omni, and then science. All-knowing. All-knowing of everything there is to know. <laughs> I was talking to technical support one time. It was Verizon technical support. And, and as I was talking to the person, um, they were having trouble helping me with the problem I was having. And I can hear the keyboard clattering away, and, and I, can, I can hear them even clicking the mouse. I can hear that distinct sound between the two. And, and, and so I said to her, I, the, the woman who was helping me, I said, hey, um, why don't you guys make that database of information available to everyone so that we don't have to call you. We can just get online and find out, here's how to fix your phone. Why don't you make that available to everyone? And she said to me, uh, what database? I said, the database I can hear your keys clicking that you're looking through, that database. And she said, I, I, we don't have a database. She said, I'm using Google. And so here is a technical support representative for a major corporation troubleshooting my problem by Googling around the internet trying to find a solution for it. That is not what I want. I want someone who has the answer. I want someone who knows. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be nice if I didn't have to talk to this technical support representative if I could actually talk to the engineer who made my phone? That team of engineers. How do I do this with my phone? That would be great. You're following me, right? <laughs> you get what I'm saying. God's the engineer of all there is. He is the designer. And he knows everything there is to know. And when you need information, when you need help, well, listen to what the book of Job says. This is Elihu speaking, and he says, Do you know how the clouds hang poised, those wonders of him who has perfect knowledge? God has perfect knowledge. And, and you find it in the author of Hebrews in the New Testament as well, where he reminds us in Hebrews chapter 4, he says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That has huge meaning for us when we're facing pain. We want someone who has some answers. I find this thing strange that happens to me. My father has been gone since 2001. I think of him every day, you know? I think of my mom every day, too. And whenever I'm facing pain, whenever there's a problem in my life or a trouble, I think about my dad. And, and a thought goes through my mind. It's not even like I plan a thought. The thought just goes through my mind like, wow, I wish I could talk to my dad about this. The pandemic we're in. I've thought countless times, I'd love to be able to just call up my dad and say, what are you thinking about this? Because it's a little confusing to all of us, I think. Wish I could talk to my dad about it. But you know what? <laughs> I, I realize that at the age I'm at, I probably know as much about what to do here as my dad knew what to do here. And I don't even know what question I would ask my dad sometimes. I just would like to talk to him. But I realize he probably wouldn't have the answer. My dad doesn't know any more than I would know. But my Father in heaven, God, he is omniscient. So he knows everything. When is COVID-19 going to end? I don't know. But God does. God knows everything. And I find comfort in that. Even beauty. When can the church meet together again, Pastor? When are we going to be able to do that? I don't know, but God does. Because God is omniscient, and I find comfort in that. 
even beauty in that. And when you see God's perfection in his omniscience, then you have an answer to the question that Payne asks when it says, what role does God play in your life anyway? He's a beautiful one in my life. God is omnipresent. God is omniscient. The third perfection of God is his omnipotence, all-powerful. He has all the power there is. He says so in Genesis 18, verse 14, speaking to Abraham, we read these words that says, is anything too hard for the Lord? It's a rhetorical question that has the implicit answer, no, nothing is too hard for the Lord. And Jesus himself, when he's speaking in Matthew 19, 26, he says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, with God, all things are possible. When we face pain, when we face pain, God's omnipotence becomes more than just a theological triviality. It becomes an important reality in our life. I think most of you are familiar with 12-step programs. You've heard of 12-step programs before. And, and you know that in the 12-step program, you're to look to a higher power to give you the power to overcome that which, is, that which you're addicted to. I have a good friend who is frequently reminding all of us that that was originated in the Scripture as a Christian ministry. Because that Christian who started that understood that in order to do that which is impossible, you need God at the helm. You need his power to do that. And I've talked to countless men and women who struggle with addiction. And those who are broken free, every one of them tells me the same thing. It was God. It is God. And it will be God who has the power to make me free of this addiction. You see that this idea of omnipotence, it's not just something that's in Wayne Grudem's systematic theology book. It is something that appeals to us and is important to us, especially when we find ourselves in pain. And because of this perfection of God, because of his omnipotence, when pain asks the question, what role does God play in your life, really? You have the answer. He's a beautiful one. A fourth perfection that the ancients spoke about was God's holiness, that God is morally pure, that he is righteous, that he is upright, that sin, that darkness, that shame, that evil are as far separated from him as the east would be from the west. He is holy. I, I read one scripture this week that I want to share with you that speaks of God's holiness. It is a woman who is speaking here, and she's talking to God. Her name is Hannah. She is a mother of Samuel who become a great prophet. And listen to what she says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, as she prays. She says, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Now, before you dismiss that out of hand, you should know a little bit about Hannah's story. She was a woman who knew pain. First, she knew the pain of being childless and desiring to become a mother. She couldn't have a baby. Wow, that's huge pain for people at times. And then on top of that, she had a husband who was a good man, but he really didn't understand the problem. And he would say things like, Hannah, hey, don't I mean more to you than a whole bunch of babies? No. <laughs> no. And then on top of that, there was another woman in her life who was an adversary, who was constantly gloating over the fact that she had. She had a baby, but Hannah didn't. Nanny, nanny, poo-poo. Wow. The pain that she must have felt, the constant pain that she felt, but what made her able to deal with that evil in her life and able to stand and rise above it was the holiness of God. 
Think of her words again. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock. And that word rock is just so, so powerful when you consider the kind of ground she needed to stand on. There is no rock like God. None like him. I don't have to tell you that living in an evil world can be overwhelming. That it can be exhausting. But there is a rock that you can stand on. And he is holy. And when you see God's perfection in his holiness... Then you have an answer when pain asks the question, what role does God play in your life, really? (laughs) He's beautiful. Here's a fourth perfection. You see God's beauty in his justice. The Bible says of God that he is a rock, his works are perfect, and then it goes on to say, all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just, is he. That means he's fair. I used to have a I used to have an inadequate view of justice. I really just felt like that when I was younger, and even as an adult, that justice was just a matter of people getting their due for the bad they had done. You can't do the time, don't do the crime, because justice says you're going to do the time. And that was all I saw justice as being, until my son-in-law got me a book called Generous Justice by Tim Keller. And in there I began to realize justice should influence every part of our life, because God is just, and he is fair. In every dealing he has. And he looks after the oppressed. He looks after the downtrodden. And he expects the same of us. In fact, in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, this is a verse that has been made into song sometimes. It says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Three things. And the first of those is justice. It is part of God's nature. And if you've been a victim of injustice, you know how important justice is. If you've been cheated, if you've been wronged, if you've been overlooked, if your family has been cast aside, if somebody got something that you deserve from a different person, you know what injustice is. And you hunger for justice. And it's coming. It is coming. Amos chapter 5, verse 24 says this, Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. And one day that will happen. Someday, the Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet, and Satan himself will be cast into the lake of burning sulfur. And justice will roll, roll, roll like a river. How beautiful will that be? You see, when you begin to see God's perfection in his justice, then you begin to have an answer to Payne's question when Payne says, what role is it that God plays in your life? Really? <laughs> well, he's the beautiful one. Let me give you one more of these. You see God's perfection in his love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 say, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does does not know God, because God is love. God is love. Now to show you the beauty of love, I'm going to contrast the ugliness of non love I got a phone call this week from a friend of mine. He does not attend my church. He attends another church. He said, I just need somebody to talk to, man, because I'm just seeing things that are disturbing my spirit. My spirit is so troubled, he said. Have you felt that way? Have you ever just seen things and it just troubles your spirit? I bet you can't guess what he was seeing. (laughs) Social media. And he said, when I look at social media, he said, Pastor Steve, it breaks my heart because I see men and women who I love and who I thought better of, behaving without love, behaving in anger, 
behaving in selfishness, thinking that nothing is important but what they have in mind. And it breaks my heart. You don't have to go to social media to find that. It's part of the human condition. God, on the other hand, He is love. Look at that words again at the very bottom. God is love. And we should love one another because of that. There are many beautiful stories of love. I want to tell you one, and I feel confident it's a made-up story. It's an urban legend before there were urban legends. You know, it's something between a folk tale and a and an urban legend somewhere along that way. It's the story of a little boy who who his parents went to him because his, his younger sister was very sick. And, and the parents went to him and said, Buddy, your sister's really sick, and we have to, she needs blood. And as, it would, as the case would be, his blood was the type that she needed. And we need to take, we need to take blood from you and, and give it to her, or she'll die. And the little boy's like, I don't want my sister to die. But he didn't really understand what was going on. And so after talking to his parents and talking to the doctor, explaining how they'll put a needle in his arm and they'll take this blood out and they'll collect it in this vessel and they'll, they'll, then they'll give it to his sister, he said, okay, go ahead, you can do it. So there he was. <laughs> Picture this little boy with his arm stretched out and they're taking his blood. He looks up at his mom and he says, how long will it be till I die? Wow, <laughs> that's a tearjerker story, isn't it? But that story has endurance. It's an ancient story. And that story has endurance because it shows us a self-sacrificing love that we find absolutely beautiful. We find that kind of love in God. God, he demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus says, greater love has no one in this than to lay down his life for a friend. And that is what he did. And when you look at God's perfection in his love, then when pain asks you that question, what role does God play in your life, really? You can say, he is the beautiful one. He's the beautiful one. What role does God play in your life? He's not an invention. Karl Marx and countless atheists are simply wrong. He's also not a picture on the wall and just for grandma. And not for you, personally. So much more than a statue on a cross. He's not even a means to an end. Someone that is handy to have around. The image that scripture gives us of God is a beautiful image. He is a beautiful one. And if you could capture glimpses of that image and collect them into your soul, then when pain comes and asks the question, what role does God play in your life anyway? You can answer it by saying, he's the beautiful one. I want to pray that you'd be able to do that. Father in heaven, we are thankful for the beauty of God, your beauty. The beauty of a father, the beauty of the son, the beauty of the spirit. And these perfections are but the tip of the iceberg concerning your nature, your attributes, your character. We give you praise for them. I pray that we would allow this truth that has come into our ears to saturate our mind and our soul and our heart so that when pain asks the question, what role does God play in your life anyway? We can turn and say, well, he's the beautiful one. This is our prayer, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.
Higher than the mountains that I